This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery, because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Is this thing on? Are we live? We are live. Did we play today? We did play today. Did anyone actually watch it? Well, anyway, welcome back. City Report podcast. It is Monday the 29th of May. I'm your host, Ollie Kirsch. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from there? Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. A big thank you to our sponsor, Discount Dragon. The best place to find bargains as good as Julian Alvarez with food, drink and household products all available for affordable prices. If you want to make even more savings on the big brands at better value, you can get an extra 5% off all orders using the code CITYPODSAVE. That's 5% off all orders with the code CITYPODSAVE. Limited time only, terms and conditions apply, UK only. So, welcome back everyone. It's a bit of a funny one today, isn't it, Andrew? Because we are technically reviewing the Brentford game, but... It, it feels kind of like, a, I mean, it was a dead rubber for all intents and purposes, at least for us it was. And it's just weird. It feels like over the last week, the season was just put into a, you know, put into a coma. It was like, we've hit pause and then we've got the biggest games coming up. So yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. Do you, do you feel the same? I'm not, I'm, I'm just kind of very apathetic to the last week of football. So it definitely felt strange. I mean, partially because when you think about it, even the prior title that City won that didn't go to the final day, we were chasing the 100 points. Like there were things that mattered all the way till the end. We nothing mattered for the last three minutes. Like there, there, literally there nothing. Nothing. Yeah. The, I mean, the only thing we might have said was maybe the De Bruyne assist record or Haaland's yeah, just yeah. keep but going it, and, and and maybe hit 40 goals. But they're, they're kind of irrelevant, right? Right. And and also there's a difference between a collective record like the Centurions and what that can do for the team and putting in the team lore versus individual records. And like, yeah, it'd be cool for Holland to get to 40 goals, but he already had the record. And 
you know, De Bruyne was close, but probably not so close that you would imagine that he gets it. And unlike in 1718, there are important matches on the horizon. They just aren't in the Premier League. And so, you know, and we're not going to really talk about those matches because we've got plenty of time to talk about them in the coming days. But, you know, the point is, it didn't really matter. I will say it was kind of fun. Like I just put on the uh, goal zone that NBC has over here and just watched kind of all of the uh, the goals roll in uh, on my laptop as I had city commentary on on the main TV and watched when that started to get exciting or when I heard things. And yeah, I still saw some good things. And I think the last three matches have given us some good information about city and about players. And I think overall, it's been a perfectly adequate uh, week and a half period for City going into what are two of the biggest matches in the club's history. But yeah, it definitely is a weird feeling that, oh, wow, like these matches just don't matter at all. Um, Maybe as an American, it feels less weird to me because I grew up on sports where if you were really, really good, you got a bye week or you had a game that no longer mattered. And so you rested all of the stars and you let the you know, younger players play because uh, this, this, you know, game doesn't actually matter, but that's so rare in the Premier League that it, I think it did feel just strange a little bit and probably felt strange for the players. It probably felt strange for Brentford. I mean, hats off to you guys for doing the double over us. Um, you know, congrats. Yeah, it's, I mean, the best thing about really the last week in Manchester outside of the celebrations has been the sunshine. And I'll say that as I'm sat here <laughs> rubbing stinging sun cream out of my eyes, but um yeah, for all for all the huff about City and the you know turning the Premier League into an uncompetitive landscape, this has been other than 2020-21, where we won at a canter and also had nothing to play for. Um, you're right that it's not gone to the final day. We've not been pushed all the way. Um, it's not gone into even the final minutes, I should say. So it's been as City fans a bit of an odd feeling, but. Look, we, we went to Brentford, we rotated heavily, we've had a few players out that didn't even come into the team or travel to the stadium today. Um, I mean, Pep says, you know, his, his standard phraseology says that we've got some niggles, uh, some minor injuries perhaps, some players being rested. Is this something that we expected? I mean, look, we've got to, I think we've got to take his comments about niggles with a pinch of salt because we don't really know what that means and Pep is wonderfully elusive when he's pushed on these questions. So, you know, he never gives return timescales or details or anything like that. So let's assume there's no major injuries and everyone is there or thereabouts fit to play. How do you feel about these rotations? Because I think that has been the biggest discussion across the City Twitter sphere, at least over the last week, where some are on the side of we need to be maintaining momentum, we need to keep playing, and these players should be there when they are fit. On the other hand, some are saying we need to save them. Some players have looked dead on their feet for weeks. I'm thinking Rodri is the first one that comes to mind. Um, And they're just taking a well-deserved break before we go into what could be the two biggest games of this club's history. So where do you stand on it, Andrew? Because I'm I'm pretty torn myself, to be honest. I would be more sympathetic to the people that have concerns about the performances if it was a situation like what happened in the lead up to the Champions League final previously, where we put out teams against Chelsea that maybe weren't full strength, but were pretty much full strength and just repeatedly lost to them and had issues. And that's just frankly, not what we've got here. What we have going on in this moment is that city are in a position where they have done incredibly well. 
They have pushed hard. They've fought a pretty grueling set of circumstances with a tight squad and been able to overcome it. And so for me, I think that it is natural to get to a point where once you have secured the Premier League title and you no longer have a title race where you have to continue to push and you can't drop any points, otherwise you will be, you know, you may have given up the title. That is such a different scenario than I think what some people are realizing. Because what has happened to me, I think, is that all these players, if we were playing the FA Cup final tomorrow, or like it had been today, I should say, we would have absolutely unequivocally 100% seen the full strength team that everyone wants to see. But if the game doesn't matter, which Brentford didn't matter, it is much harder for those players to get up to the level they need to get up to, to fight through the grueling fatigue and injuries they probably have. And so if they're not feeling 100%, I just don't get the point in even risking it. And I also just don't think that momentum matters because it's just an entirely different set of players in competition. Like us losing to Brentford today with the team that we put out where maybe five of the players are in contention to play the FA Cup final. I It's just to me like, okay, that's fine. Cool. Like I, it doesn't bother me. I'm not worried. Um, it, it's a team of ultra competitive people that we're going to field in the FA Cup against United who – you know, they will feel aggrieved that they lost to them the way they lost earlier this season. So I just, I'm not worried about the idea of momentum. Yeah. And we've had, uh, look, I know the players didn't have, they didn't lose momentum in the case of on an individual basis, but the team didn't play together over the course of the world cup. And we came back rather than a couple of blips and obviously with the premier league charges, not regalvanized the squad, but it didn't make an enormous difference and it's all about balance, right? Now imagine for all of those people that are really pissed off about certain players not playing today uh, or yesterday for the listeners, just to be clear, we are recording just after the match, so um, don't get confused, but the, the players that didn't play and the people that are upset about that. Now, what if Haaland had played or De Bruyne had played and taken a big injury? That is infinitely more devastating than if they'd not played, as they didn't, and they might drop off a little bit in terms of that rhythm momentum. It's it's all about risk evaluation here. And for me, I'm on the side of they need a good rest. Pep, listen, Pep will be working them like dogs over at the CFA over the over the, the last week and over the next week in the run-up to the game. For me, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yes, they will lose a little bit of that rhythm uh, that we've become so known for in the running for us for our end of seasons, but ultimately we've got to protect them, wrap them up in cotton wool, because a 100% fit Haaland and De Bruyne running at 90% momentum is better than picking up a potentially catastrophic injury at the end of the season and missing the games altogether. So that's where I stand on it. Um, it's a debate that's been going on. It probably will rage on until the game against United comes. And no doubt, if we do somehow see a bad result at Wembley, then uh, this exact issue will be blamed because uh, history is always written by the victors, isn't it? So, moving on then. Um, 
we sported our new kit today. And the first thing I thought of when I saw this new kit was 2003-2004. For the uninitiated, it was the first kit that we wore in our very first season at the Etihad, or as it was known back then, City of Manchester Stadium, or more affectionately, Eastlands. And this is almost like a, a reimagining, a modernised take on that Reebok kit where we've got some very subtle shades of blue forming vertical stripes down it. I love it. And especially the way it comes across on telly as well um, from the cameras is very retro. The, the, the shade of blue, I'm kind of getting a bit weird on this, aren't I? But the shade of blue is, for me, proper city sky blue. Um, the kit that we've worn this season with the badge in the middle was, I think, a little bit of a darker shade of blue uh, with a different material. And we've seen some shifts over the years, not to mention the late that horrible laser blue that we wore back in the IDOS days for 2002-2003. But, <laughs> but this kit screams classic City. It's not unique, perhaps, in the sense that this season's with the central badge has been, but it does just scream vintage City. Um, Andrew, where does it rank for you on the last few years? Let's, let's stick this... Uh, let, let's say criteria has to be the Pep era. So well, I was just going to go just Puma. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because no, fair enough. Because otherwise, because the thing is, because I think the Pep era would only then include. I mean, I guess you do have two years of Nike, but both of them yeah. are, in my opinion, two of the worst Nike home. Yeah, wait, was it sixteen seventeen that had that horrible dark blue sleeve design with the sky blue uh, shirt? Yeah, so it was yeah, sky blue with the weird like textured. Pattern. Yeah, we, it was the. The home and away kits were literally just the same template yeah, with different yeah, yeah. Uh, colorways. It was lazy. Yeah. It was lazy. Yeah, no. And considering and 17- the classics that we've had over the years, the manufacturers should be really smacking the lips at the uh, at, at the prospects of designing city kits because we've got so many classic kits that can be reimagined, redesigned. Yeah. Puma tried it with our third kit, the yellow and black, to reimagine that ninety nine Gillingham kit. It didn't really come off very well, but the opportunity is there. So yeah, template oh, yeah. kits. All right, we'll, we'll go. Yeah, because the, the last area. one of the Nike, because the last one of the Nike Air is, in my opinion, is the worst. What it has the stupid little button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For no yeah, re- yeah. why, why? But Which yeah, is a shame going- because that kit will be immortalized with the Centurion season, right? Yeah. But yeah let, let's go with Puma then. In Puma's era, where does this kit rank for you? So for me, I think it's actually the the best Puma home kit. Mm. I, I don't think you can top it. I think and. Uh, you're probably not seeing it, but I'm wearing it right now. One, I love, so one, I prefer a, I don't need a full deep V-neck. Like I don't need it to be a V-neck t-shirt, but I like a sculpted and drawn line on a shirt. I'm fine with it being more of a crew neck. I do think there are some times on these kits where it's too tight and you just kind of lose your neck. But I think particularly on the players today, you saw it, it looks just really, really good. Um, and the detailing of the V-neck, I think, is great. To your point, the vertical lines, I think, are good. It's the right shade. It it looks retro, but it does not look like they just attempted to copy an old look. So for me, it's first, I think, you know, the 22-23 is also great. You know, the central badge is awesome. The color scheme is great. The homage to Colin Bell is phenomenal. I will say after that... Um, the quality of the home kits from Puma does deteriorate a little bit. Um, I don't necessarily hate the digital kit from 
21-22 in I theory. <laughs> I just hate the, the neckline of that one, I think, is terrible. Like, it's just a weird, not a V-neck, not a crew neck. They just couldn't decide. Um, the font is horrendous on that, I will say, um, for me. And then their first one with the purple, I don't hate it. It's fine for me. Um, I just know a lot of people do not like the purple um, from 1920. And then uh, the uh, mosaic from 2021. Uh, I mean, one, not a great year for, or not the, you know, the best year for city, uh, but also just like, oof, what a, what a bad looking kit, particularly because, and I get that it's a rule, but the whole like have it be patterned on the front and on the sleeves, but then there's no pattern on the back. Like I get that they can't do that, but if you can't do that, then just don't do a kit design like that. Yeah, I am having a look now. I've got the, got the icons open. I mean that that mosaic one. The idea is nice, and obviously it's a is a nod to the famous mosaic that sat outside Main Road that I remember as a kid. But it just didn't come off great on the shirt. Also, the the collar on it just looks weird. Yeah, it it wasn't great. The digital design again, nice touch. You know, we've done a lot of these where we've we've given yeah. nods to certain elements of Manchester or players or moments, and they just try a bit too hard. I think sometimes um, for me, it's tough. I, I'm going to rank this one level with the Colin Bell uh, tribute shirt. Only because that one is so unique that I think it almost deserves a bracket on its own. It's not a traditional home mm-hmm. shirt, per se, um, with that central design. But yeah, this one's a beauty. Love it. Uh, we'll pick it up at first opportunity. Um, good time to go for a break. And we will return afterwards to do a very brief season review of some of the players. Name a better bargain than Gold Machine Erling Haaland for £52 million? Well, almost everything available on the Discount Dragon website, of course. It's the best place to find all of your favourite household names for affordable prices, with money to be saved on food, drinks, alcohol, household items and even pet products. Move quick and you can grab an extra 5% off all orders using the code CITYPODSAVE. That's 5% off all orders using the code CITYPODSAVE. Limited time only, terms and conditions apply, UK only. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your place for daily Manchester City content. Today we are officially reviewing the Brighton, uh, sorry, Brentford game. Uh, but we've had a chat about the kits, short chat about the game. And just want to speak a little bit now, looking back over the season, it's individuals. Because as far as the Premier League season is concerned, that is 38 games played. Um, we've seen some players, Shea Charles came in today, which is a nice surprise. Calvin Phillips in the end got his two starts. So I think it's a good time to look back at uh, the players over the course of the season. So... Some quick fire, Andrew, I'm going to give you a category. I want you to give me a name or two if you're really torn and very brief reasoning why, and then we'll move on to the next category. So we'll start with best player. John Stones. Okay, okay. And I stand by this because Pep obviously spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make this 
squad work this year and how to incorporate Holland. And he's talked about how they had to figure out how to play with Holland just as much as Holland needed to learn how to play with them. Then he has to figure out, well, how do I build a team that doesn't have really any fullbacks in it because Kyle Walker is injured? In my opinion, he's not the greatest footballer to ever play, obviously. He may be the greatest footballer to ever be a defender. Like his level of technical ability and just ability to play the game for a defender is unreal. And what he did to kind of supercharge our season and turn us into the team we are now, I just think can't be underrated. I would certainly agree and say he's the best ball-playing defender we've seen. Listen, he's never going to be the greatest tackler. That's Ruben Diaz. He's never going to be the fastest centre-half. There are others. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Ake has got some serious pace on him when he gets going. Um but in terms of being a ball-playing defender and having that versatility, absolutely. Um, before we move on, I just want to say there is kind of an unofficial asterisk over these to say Bar Haaland-ish, because yeah. I don't think anyone would want to say Haaland. Best player for me, I, I have to go with Gundo. Um, and again, that is a bit of an asterisk to say Bar Haaland, because you know, I think everyone knows about Haaland's exploits and we could go on for days about them. But Gundo, for me because of how he has been in the running. And I kind of feel harsh on Bernardo here as well, but we have a squad of amazing players. And earlier on in the season, when the pressure's off, perhaps leading up to around February, March, when the pressure hasn't really started to pile on yet, they're all capable of doing amazing things. All of them. They all rack up the numbers, the assists, the goals, the dribbles, all of these things. They all rack them up. But when things get hairy or... When the pressure's really on, I have never known a player to step up like Gundo. Match by match, it might be De Bruyne. I think he's the biggest big game player that we've got. But for the consistent levels that he shows over the course of a title running, unmatched. So for me, Gundo gets my uh, MVP award, as you would say, over in the US, Andrew. So next one. Most improved, and I'm going to limit this to most improved from last season. So not somebody that's improved over the course of two, three, four years from their performances to last season to this season. I think for me, it's got to be Ake, who went from being a rotation and a very good rotation center back to being just an absolute one of the first names on the team sheet by the end of the season. Um, and in a role that I don't think any of us expected that he would be in playing this kind of left center back slash left wing back hybrid role. And he's just been incredible. And, you know, there are some other names I think you could throw in there, but they weren't with us last year. And so it feels weird to give them most improved, but you know, I was still impressed by, uh, where they kind of improved over the course of the season or where they were compared to where I thought they'd be when they came in. But I think Ake just, he deserves credit for what he did this season. Yeah, no qualms at all with that one. Nathan, Nathan Ake gets my vote as well. Next, we will go best youngster. So let's go with, it's a bit loose, but let's go with under 23. I know people might groan at this because by the time players are 23 these days, they're very much well-established professionals. But <laughs> we'll go with the under 23 and we will do a hard asterisk on this and say Bar Haaland. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to on that one. Otherwise, it uh, gets a little, a little ridiculous. A little um, obvious as well, yeah. 
Uh, but I, I will say, I think it's his uh, compatriot at striker in uh, Julian Alvarez for me because, uh, you know, I was impressed by him when I was watching uh, him play before he came, but I definitely was a little worried of one adapting to an entirely new continent and a new team and an entirely different level of football. And then the kid just came in and slotted in pretty seamlessly by the end is rotating in for Kevin De Bruyne, which is just the most casual thing in the world. And no one was like, what are, what are we doing? They're like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and you know, he won a world cup in the middle of it too. So I, I think you kind of got to give it to him if you're not giving it to Holland. Hmm. Possibly. Well, I'm going to go different. I can hear Amos groaning while he's on the way back from Brentford before I say this one, but I, I am going to give it to Rico. And the reason I'm going to give it to Rico is that for me, Alvarez has already been exposed to immense pressure in football, right? South America, we know that there's some, some serious cauldrons of stadiums. Uh, obviously, he's been to the World Cup and done the business there with Argentina. He has, he has come into the club. You know, all the points that you made are valid, but he has had some exposure to that level. Whereas Rico has not been bedded in slowly as Foden was or Cole Palmer is being. He was thrown in, man. Rico was plucked out of the academy and put straight into this team and said, right, Rico, you're going to go and do a hybrid right-back, centre-midfield, defensive-midfield, free-roaming role. And the kid has smashed it. And look, obviously, you know, I'll be fair here, he has had a couple of shaky moments through the season, uh, but that's to be expected, right? He's he's only turned 18 during this season. So I'm going to give it to Rico, um, not only on ability, but just not only on footballing ability, I should say, but his ability to shut out the pressure that comes with being flung from an academy into the best first team in the world and perform as he has done. So yeah, props to Rico for me on that one. Next one, we'll go a little bit more negative. Biggest disappointment this season. Who is it? I mean, it... I'm going to say it and I think it's obvious to people like I think most people are going to reach this conclusion but I want to approach it from a perspective that I think a lot of people won't which is I've been disappointed that we haven't gotten to see the best of Calvin Phillips because for example today I thought he did a incredible job in the first half I think you saw some of his best uh, attributes and what he can bring he's a great kind of deep line playmaker can spray the ball around had some really good moments in the buildup had some really good ball recoveries. It was just kind of the horrendous, you know, worst set of circumstances ever that brought him into this season to where we didn't get to see what he could do. And I know he gave the interview that he said he like, you know, can't wait to come back and have a full fit preseason and really hit the ground running. And I'm really excited to see that. Um, And I, I don't want City to get rid of him because I do think he has a lot to offer and I just don't want to not give him that chance because it to me it does not feel like he hasn't succeeded because he hasn't wanted to. It feels like it just everything was conspiring against him this season for it to work and we've seen that happen to players in the past and they come good and I'm I want to give that chance but the season overall for him, for him just has been kind of a disappointment because in a whole host of ways that has sucked to not have even a 75% Calvin Phillips there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Calvin's a funny one. I'm not going to give him my biggest disappointment award 
if you want to call it an award, wooden spoon. Um, because for me, it's it's the whole thing about expect little and you won't be disappointed. Um, that applies to Calvin for me because it's it's very common. You know that that interview that you've just referenced where he said it's been an incredibly difficult year for him? We had the same interview from Grealish last year. We had the exact same thing at the end of last season. Grealish said it, it was a lot harder than he expected it to be. He, he almost lost himself in a couple of moments. So I think these days it's quite hard to expect too much from first season pep signings. So Calvin gets a, a stay of execution from me on disappointment. So does Sergi Gomez, actually, because again, he was brought in as a CFG recruit. We didn't sign a left back, so he almost inadvertently ended up with the first team. For me, I'm going to go with, and this might be controversial, I'm going to go with two. Foden and Palmer. Now, Foden's was a little bit out of control, out of his control, because of the injuries that he suffered. But I also don't think he set the pitch alight in the way that he did last season and in the way that we might have expected him to build on that this season. He's not been our shining light. And a player with that ability, you know, that's now into his fifth major Premier League campaign with us. Um, Just a little bit disappointed not to see the world-beating lad that we know he is. And Palmer, because I thought this was going to be his breakout season, and it it just hasn't been. Um, So again, this is all about expectations versus outcome. Uh, Palmer, I thought it'd be his breakout season. Just because of the form that Grealish has been in and, you know, we trust Bernardo out there on the wing, Mares, Foden when he gets his chance. Palmer's, again, a little bit out of his control, but I wouldn't say he's taken his chances when he's played. He's showed good promise. We know what Palmer can do. He's got fantastic technical ability, but again, similar to Foden, just hasn't pushed on this season the way we might have expected him to. Um, Penultimate category, biggest surprise who's really surprised you this season surprise um i'm gonna say holland which is hilarious because i was so confident in him but i've just been surprised that how seamlessly he fit in and just started destroying the premier league um and i say that as somebody who was hyping the kid up when he was scoring nine goals at the you know u19 world cup like i was all in on the kid right and i was like this guy's going to be a cyborg who destroys the league but even i thought it would take a little bit of time for him to adapt i still thought he was going to score like 25 goals this season i didn't think he was going to just break the premier league scoring record right out of the gate and not even need all the matches to do it in and you know have games where he only played one half like that just wasn't what I thought was going to happen. And so I think for me, it's just a surprise of he is better than I thought he was. And I thought he was already absurdly talented. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. I, I, I said it to my old man recently. I said, well, when I was hyping the Harlan transfer, I knew he'd do well. Not in my wildest dreams that I think he'd do this well. And I think he'll get even better, of course. But yeah. It, it's, my, a, it's a scenario but, where, like we said, it, it's like you thought you were buying a Ferrari. Yeah. And then what showed up was an F1 McLaren. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. like, well, this, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like technically, yes, I did think you were going to be a really good car, but this is a supercar. Yeah. I can't actually drive it on the street, but like, this is still really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go with Walker for mine. 
Mm. I'm going to go with Walker. I'm going to go with Kyle because we we came back from the summer break and Walker looked completely out of sorts. Um, we, some of us, including myself, were guilty on this podcast of, I don't want to say writing him off, but we were like, all right, Walker's bit part this season. He's he's had a clear physical decline. Um, I think it was in the first game of, se- of the season, he got burned a couple of times, even for pace. And it took him a while, but he has proved crucial in the running. He's been back to his old self. He pocketed Leroy Sane. He pocketed Vinicius Jr. Um, shout out to Kyle Walker. For me, biggest surprise because a couple of months into the season, I thought this guy is, is, is finished with us. And at the end of the season, he'll be heading out. But look, he may still leave, but he's made a great case to keep him on for another year. So Kyle Walker gets mine. Last one. Last category. Andrew, I've not given you a heads up about this one deliberately, and I want you to answer on instinct. Who is, or who has been, our most important player? So I'm talking about the player that if we were, if we had the biggest game of our lives, let's say the Champions League final coming up, assuming we beat United, we're on for a treble, which is the one player that will be last on your list to cut from the eleven? The most important player in this team. Not even hard. It's Rodri. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. <laughs> Full marks. Yeah. Full marks. Do you want to say a word or two about him? He deserves it. I, I mean, he's just, he is a midfield maestro. He, you know, for a guy that too many people were calling Plodri in his first season and were like, how is this guy going to replace Fernandinho? And, you know, just like a lot of people are like, oh, how are we going to replace Company or how are we going to replace Aguero? You're never going to replace someone who does things the exact same way that that person did. And Rodri is not 2017 Fernandinho who can just cover the entire pitch with his athleticism and is just spraying the ball around in this all-action midfielder. But he's just a genius who is in the right place at the right time and can be swarmed by players and not care, and he'll just make the right pass. And then your team is cut wide open because you swarmed him, and now there's three guys uh, open that are really good with the ball and are going to move right through you. And so uh, he's just incredible and I love watching him and um, there, I don't know that there's a better defensive midfielder in the world right now than Rodri. So the key cog in the machine, would your answer be the same if Calvin Phillips was performing to expectations is part of this answer because we don't have a direct replacement? No, because I think even if you, the, the level that Rodri is at, I think there's just no one. I can't even imagine having someone short of like if we had Kimmich or four years ago, Sergio Busquets as a potential um, substitute. Would I ever think we could just account for his absence and it'd be okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I agree. He is the key cog. There are players like, De Bruyne, that when we miss him, we can get by. Haaland, we can get by. Um, Stones, even, you know, you called him out as, as the best player, but we can get by. But Rodri is Rodri's the oil, really. He's the engine. He's, he's, he's everything. And he does give me confidence that eventually we will be able to replace, replace players like De Bruyne. As you say, we never thought we could replace Fernandinho. We have done. Silva, Aguero, company... 
players like Rodri replacing Fernandinho give me confidence that even when the big beasts like KDB do eventually leave, we may not replace them directly, but we'll evolve. So, yeah, that seems like a pretty good place to wrap up then. So, listeners, we've got so much content coming up over the next couple of weeks. The games aren't coming thick and fast as they have done, but we've got loads of FA Cup build-up coming this week, loads of Champions League final build-up coming the week after. So keep listening in, stay tuned, uh, follow us, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods, and it's at City Report Pod on Twitter. Andrew, thank you very much. Cheers. I've been your host, Solly Kirsch, and this has been the City Report Podcast. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. 